guess what, guys? There is only one place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. It's your favorite, locally owned, legendary, unbelievably delicious pizza joint, Bojo's. The Colorado mountain pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those who are just passing through and want to know where the best pizza in town is. Bojo's is the only answer. Bojo's dough is made fresh daily and contains locally sourced honey. You heard that right. They infuse their dough with natural sweetener, and it is to die for. There's something for everyone at Bojo's. Large, delicious mountain pies for the entire family, a huge salad bar with fresh veggies galore, Colorado beer on tap, including our personal favorite, Breck Brews, and your personal favorite sports teams playing in the background. Bojo's has private party rooms for all your holiday get-togethers or to celebrate birthdays and other large events. They have $4 happy hours in select locations along with gluten-free and plant-based options as well. There is nothing more important to Bojo's than their community, which is why they are always happy to help you raise money for your fundraising causes. Host your next fundraising event at any of their five Front Range locations. They are also offering their holiday se- this holiday season a special pint glass koozies that make great stocking stuffers and come with a $5 gift card. Check those out at their site today at bojos.com. That's bojos.com and tell them DNVR Rams sent you. On the high screen, Dorian kicked to the corner, Feirano for three. It's good with the foul! And back to throw is the quarterback and Hayward is sacked by Joey Porter. Takes it in, scores. J.D. Page. Boy, Stevens lets it go, and there's your touchdown. Michael Gallup. Got it down low. Hornung. Dunk! And here come the students. Leading by 10. Here's Van Pelt. He's at the 5. Touchdown, Colorado State. Well, it was another great day for Colorado State football. Added 10 new signees, including seven linemen, which makes us uh, a better football program. It's always going to be important uh, for us to find players uh, who are, are, are tough, love football, love Colorado State. Uh, and I think today we, we, we enhanced that. Um, five signees are from the state of Colorado. The most this program has signed since 2015. And that's important to add guys who are passionate about the program on a little bit deeper level. Um, Sanjay Strickland from uh, Arvada, uh, Brian Crespo from Fort Collins, Henry Blackburn from Boulder, Tanner Hollins from Littleton, Chase Wilson from Arvada, and uh, Ralston Valley, two Arvadas here. We also held a handful of scholarships to be able to add transfers who may decide to come to Colorado State after the spring. You know, we're talking about the fifth-year market and, and, and those types of things. So we're actively involved in that as well. A couple of uh, notes that I think are pertinent in, in, in my opening statement. Um, 
You know, we added 10 total players, six on offense, four on defense. Overall, 20 signees with nine on offense and 11 on defense overall. Hey, what's up? Hello. We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Bojo's Pizza. As always, I'm your host, Justin Michael, and we've got a lot to talk about today. Today, of course, was uh, National Signing Day. I would say that the early signing period has kind of become the the more like traditional signing day in a sense where everybody, you know, follows ESPN and and wants to see, you know, where the top guys end up signing because, you know, so many guys end up signing in December nowadays. Uh, so it, it has lost its luster a little bit, I would say. Uh, still an interesting day, still always fun just to see, you know, where the, the next group of Rams are coming from. Ultimately, a really large signing class for CSU between the two periods, 20 dudes, six preferred walk-ons. So we're just going to kind of go over just some general impressions. Uh, if you want to check out more info on this class, definitely go to the site. We've got about 1,600 words, actually, just kind of breaking down some of what Steve Adazio said today. So uh, speaking of which, got to do a big shout out to Eddie Hers, the Loveland Reporter Herald. Y'all know he's uh, one of my boys, we've worked together uh, for years. One of my genuinely one of my best friends in this industry, uh, Eddie, had to help me out today because I went out this morning and tried to run my car after not running it for a couple of days, and it was about negative four degrees, and it wouldn't start. Still wouldn't start. Um, had to get it jump started. Really annoying. So uh, I, I missed the press conference with Adazio today. It kind of sucked because. I had a couple of things that I actually wanted to ask him for pieces that I'm working on. Uh, not the end of the world. I mean, it's not like, you know, you learn anything groundbreaking at these things, but uh, would have been nice to, to have been there. But thank you to Eddie for sending me that audio. Much appreciated. Wouldn't have been able to, to get my content out without him. I just wanted to make sure that I thanked him before. I really jumped into some stuff here now. Uh, one of the things that obviously jumps out a lot about this 2020 class not a lot of skill guys. Um, it's not the sexiest recruiting class in the world, and I get that that's going to be disappointing to some people. I, I even got some replies on Twitter just talking about, you know, like this confirms my biggest fear about the new staff. They're going to be boring. They're going to regress and all this. And and I understand that people are worried because, you know, CSU has kind of been known for flash over the last, well, really, you know, six, seven, eight years uh, the the whole McIlwain and Bobo era, I would say offensively, that was kind of what the Rams were known for more than being, you know, like a gritty, tough football team. And I'm I'm encouraged by the fact that they went out and, and they made just such a big emphasis to add some beef. I mean, a ton of linemen, half of the class are linemen. You got seven linemen, three D linemen, uh, just really, or excuse me, six O linemen, four D linemen. Uh, really just uh, a lot of beef. You got 10 guys that are coming in at 225 plus. That's that's what you need. I mean, I understand that it's fun to be known for wide receiver you. It's fun to be, you know, known for the, the G5 school that sends all these guys to the league and you get to see them produce on Sunday, score touchdowns, the whole deal. I get it. I mean, nobody enjoys watching Gallup, Higgins, and, and Preston and BC and all these dudes in the NFL uh, more than me, I'm going to enjoy seeing Warren whenever he ultimately goes pro, uh, wherever he ends up playing. 
But there's no doubt that this team has lacked a physical presence over the last couple of seasons. I really think it's something that that hurt them in games against, you know, like Wyoming, Air Force, uh, Boise State. I really just feel like those programs were always more physical than CSU. And I don't foresee that being the case under Adazio. I'm not sure if they're going to score 35 points a game. I don't know if they're going to throw for, you know, 350 yards and all that. But I do think they're going to be solid in the trenches. And ultimately, you know, that's the foundation of successful football. Don't get me wrong. You know, you're not going to completely abandon the offense. Joey Lynch, the new offensive coordinator, he ran the spread pretty frequently at Ball State. At his introductory press conference, he talked about how important it will be to continue to emphasize the weapons that they have at the skill positions. So it's it's not like they're just going to completely, you know, go like 1900s football and just completely change like everything. It's going to be different. It's going to be different for sure. But they had to revamp the offensive line in particular. It wasn't great in the first place. And then you lose, you know, two starters to transfer. That'll that'll be backbreaking. So, you know, if they if they didn't emphasize the lines, I would have been worried. So I, I thought that was encouraging. I do think we'll see a, a better offensive line under Adazio. I think we'll see. It's it's not that Dave Johnson did a bad job. I would just say that he didn't necessarily always have the most complete guys. And it's clear that Adazio and maybe his son and some of these other guys that they've hired have uh, some big connections and, and they've really been able to land some some large looking dudes. And obviously, you know, it's, it's one thing to be big. You still got to be able to play, but to find these guys with those D one frames, it's, it's definitely encouraging right off the bat, you know, along with adding a ton of beef. Another thing that really jumps out about this group is a fourth of them, five of the 20 are from the Centennial state from Colorado. You're always going to love that as the CSU fans, you know, We've been we've been hearing it for years. Bobo doesn't recruit Colorado enough. I think that was really the perception with fans. I think that was the perception uh, with some of the the high school coaches around the state. You've already seen them. A couple of different guys, you know, make basically like snarky backhanded tweets about it, basically being like, "Good to see Colorado or Colorado State emphasizing the state of Colorado." I wonder what's changed. Hint, hint. Um, but I mean, the thing is, is you have to be able to recruit in Texas, Florida, California. Everybody knows that. If you're not recruiting, you know, the football hotbeds of the country, you're you're not going to be able to to consistently compete. But the foundation of your roster, especially when you're a program like CSU, who is is a great G5 program, don't get me wrong, but you don't have the resources of even like Colorado or, you know, a lot of these Pac-12 programs, smaller Big 12 programs, Obviously, you don't have the resources, you know, of the SEC. That's not even really worth comparing. So you got to be able to get some of these guys that are fringe, that maybe necessarily aren't, you know, four or five-star guys, maybe not even rated at all, but are guys that are committed to CSU, that are committed to, to getting better and to working every day and genuinely take pride in, in doing that because it is valuable. I mean obviously talent is talent and if you're a good player no matter where you go as long as you you do the right things you're going to have success but there's just something to be said for that guy who grows up of, of putting on the green and gold and 
dreams of playing for CSU and just works his ass off to make it happen. I mean, think of a guy like Logan Stewart. Logan Stewart probably wouldn't have, you know, got the attention coming out of high school. He goes to junior college, comes back, and now he's a starter. And he just has pride in CSU. I mean, I think back to, I've talked about him. Granted, we're friends, so maybe not the best example in the world, but Jake Bennett, a a guy I grew up with, one of the few kids I knew in high school that didn't dream of playing for the bus. He dreamed of playing for CSU. He dreamed of being the next great. He dreamed of being the next BVP. I mean, he's an offensive lineman, so maybe not the best comparison, but you get you get what I'm saying. These guys that just genuinely bleed green and gold that will do anything that it takes to be successful. And the Rams got one of those this time. Sanjay Strickland, a linebacker slash safety out of Pomona, uh, down in Arvada. He's a guy who had an offer from New Mexico, could have gone to Washington State as a preferred walk-on. It was really important to him to come to CSU. They ended up offering him late. Now he's going to be a Ram. It was kind of cool. Uh, one of the things Adazio emphasized was just, you know, talking about how meaningful it was to Sanjay to to represent CSU. And in the end, that's why they they made it work for him. You know, they they found a way to get him a scholarship because they were like, this is a guy, we believe in him, we think he can probably get it done. Let's let's offer him. And it's just encouraging to see, you know, this new staff not only talk the talk, but walk the walk and really go out and and develop strong recruiting ties with some of the the better high school programs in the region. I mean, schools like Pomona, Cherry Creek, Valor Christian, uh, Columbine, Fairview, you, you get the, the deal. All the, all the major programs in the state, the ones that consistently produce D1 players, these are schools where the CSU coaches should really have a strong foothold. They should really make their presence felt. And that just was not the case under Bobo. They they definitely recruited the state every now and then. Obviously, there have been some Colorado dudes that came in. You know, Trey McBride's an example. Barry Wesley, another one, a former walk-on that's now a starter. But it was clear that under Bobo and and a lot of the 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 assistance that he had, their plan was we're going to go to the SEC, we're going to try and sway some of these fringe SEC guys, and we're going to get them to come out west. Now, I don't blame them. There, there's a lot of talent down there, and. If you can steal some ballers, all the power to you. I mean, look at Dante Wright. You swoop him out of Florida, bring him out west. Kid's an absolute stud. Dude is an absolute stud. He's not a kid. It's just they didn't take the time to really, you know, let the Colorado coaches, let the Colorado players know that they valued them, that they really wanted them to be a part of the program. It was more like, we're going to go get these dudes from the SEC, and then anybody else you sign is kind of, you know, the icing on the cake. It's just gravy. I don't know. I understand that like some of the best guys are they're always going to leave. You know, they're they're always going to be players that get offers from from SEC schools, from bigger programs and maybe they just want to get out and maybe there's nothing you can do about it. But in the modern era of college football with just all the transfers and everything like I just think it would be so wise for this staff to just recruit the hell out of the state, man. Go out there, make it known, and maybe some of these dudes end up coming back a couple years from now. Who knows? But if not, having that reputation, having that presence, it's only going to benefit you down the line when there's another baller coming out of that program. You know, I've, I've heard from people inside the program that Bobo never even went to Columbine High School. That's crazy to me. I'm not a recruiting guru. 
but I did work as an intern for the football team, and I know how the process works. I followed Colorado Preps my whole life. You know what the first school I would check out in Jeffco would be if I was a Colorado coach? Probably Columbine. Pomona, Mullen, all those schools. Cherry Creek, Valor. You gotta hit the you gotta hit the recruiting trail hard. You gotta build that presence, and that's what this staff is doing right off the bat. And it, it's just encouraging. I'm I'm really encouraged by it. Like I said, you know, I I understand that Colorado isn't Louisiana. You know, it's it's not Louisiana. It's not Texas. It's not Florida. It's not any of those places. But there's plenty of talent that comes out of the state. Plenty of talent. And Adazio addressed that today. I mean, even. Even some guys that you're not necessarily going to be able to sign right away, just the fact that you emphasize that you want them enough, you might be able to sway them as a preferred walk-on. And that, that, that's obviously been a big difference. Um, that, that was not something that the old staff really did. I mean, there'd be like one or two. You'd, you'd get a guy every now and then. Uh, but to like actively really try and stack the roster with, with walk-ons, that was not something that was happening. And who knows, maybe... Maybe none of them end up panning out, but odds are that one or two of them are going to. And if you end up even getting, you know, a contributor out of it, that's a win. That's a win. And more importantly, you're keeping some of these dudes from going up to Laramie and coming back and biting you in the ass three or four years from now. You, you just, if you're CSU, you have to recruit Colorado well. It has to be, you know, one of the, the big foundations of the roster and it seems like Adazio and his new coaches get that. I will say, you know, Bobo in 2015 signed quite a few Colorado dudes, uh, probably because they didn't have, you know, a ton of time to, like, go out and and recruit new dudes, so they were probably just relying on uh, some of whom McElwain recruited. But definitely, definitely encouraging to see what this new staff is doing. That's Those are my biggest two takeaways. Uh, recruiting Colorado heavy, and just adding some beef, just adding some some size and becoming a tougher team, I think that's really going to be uh, a big factor under Adazio. Like I said, I, I don't know how many wins it'll translate to, especially in year one, but if, if you're going to be successful at least long-term at any level, I mean, even look at the Denver Broncos. You got to be able to, you got to be able to protect the quarterback, you got to be able to run the football, and you got to be able to stop the run on defense, so... I'm encouraged. I think Adazio and his new staff did a, a pretty great job considering the circumstances. It's it's not easy to just come in and hit the ground running and to do what they did, which was, you know, sign a top three recruiting class in the Mountain West. Pretty encouraging. Pretty encouraging overall. All right. One more thing I wanted to talk about here before we take a moment to acknowledge our sponsors is just kind of the quarterback situation moving forward. Uh, as it currently stands, you'll have three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster with Justice McCoy, Patrick O'Brien, and then Todd Santeo, who's coming in from Temple, the dual threat transfer. He will be immediately eligible, which is huge, but you're losing Judd Erickson. So do you per- do you pursue another quarterback at this point? Do you go and try and find a Juco guy? You lost Jackson Muschamp, who obviously ended up signing with Georgia. I don't think it was any big grand conspiracy. You're obviously... <laughs> It was a weird situation. I will acknowledge that. It was a very weird situation. He committed to CSU late, and so it it looked weird in the first place because it's like, wait, you're going to come here now after Bobo left? But it seems like 
Bo- or Georgia didn't have the scholarship to offer, then they did, so they threw it out there to him, and, and he jumped on it. I can't fault the dude. He wants to play in the SEC. His dad's an SEC coach. I get it. You know, he's been around big-time football his whole life. I get that that's frustrating, <laughs> and I get that it looks kind of weird. I don't think this was like some grand conspiracy. I don't think, you know, Mike Bobo called Kirby Smart up on the phone and was like, hey, how about we give, you know, CSU the old middle finger here and you steal their quarterback late. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I, I watched Muschamp's film. I wasn't that impressed. I'm not I'm not trying to dog on the the dude. That I never like to be that guy that like dogs on high school recruits especially cuz you know they're young. It's it's freaking high school. But, you know, I I will say I've seen a lot of high school quarterbacks. I don't know. I mean, he threw a nice ball, don't get me wrong, but he was very undersized. I just I don't see him playing at Georgia, so I, I wish him well. I hope that it works out for him. Obviously, you know, money's not an issue for his family. He can pretty much go wherever he wants in the country, so I'm sure he's going to be fine. But jumping back on track here, just with the quarterback situation moving forward, you got Santeo, you got O'Brien, and you got Justice McCoy. That's only three scholarship quarterbacks. I don't know. I think I would highly consider getting a JUCO guy, maybe a D1. You never know who's going to be available after the spring. Uh, but it's it's just something to keep an eye on. He did, Adazio did tell the media today that he would like to have five scholarship quarterbacks. So by that logic, you'd add two. But will they be able to add two before fall? I don't know. I do think it would be big to add at least one. That's, that's just kind of how I feel. I think you need depth at that position. You really need f- at least four guys. Three is, it's just pushing things. You know, if somebody gets hurt, then you're down to two quarterbacks. That's a that's a nightmare scenario. So overall, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty encouraged by this signing class. Obviously, they got to get here. They got they got to prove it on the field. I, I'm not a big recruiting guy. I just I get frustrated by the process because I feel like so much of this is is hyping up people who have, you know, never accomplished anything. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just don't think it's conducive to the process. I don't think it's necessarily good for the the long term success of these programs. You get these dudes that are, you know, told they're the best thing since sliced bread since they're 13, 14 years old. And then you get on a D1 field and you realize, oh, my God, all of these dudes are as good as me or better. And it's a it's a big reality check for a lot of these guys. And some some handle it well and adjust and others don't. So, you know, that's kind of why I try not to do a ton of recruiting. I think it's very important. I mean, recruiting's the lifeblood of a program. So you can't cover a college program and not follow recruiting, not focus on it. But it's one of those things where I don't necessarily like obsess over because I think the, the rating process is flawed. I think the, the way we go about it is weird. I think the whole posting, you know, here are the 10 schools I, I may or may not sign with this week is, is annoying and weird, but maybe, maybe that's just me being old. <laughs> maybe, uh, Maybe I deserve to get okay boomered on this one. I don't know. Uh, but those are just kind of my my first thoughts on the 2020 sign class. We'll obviously, you know, talk about it more over the next couple of days, talk about some of these different guys, what they bring to the table, all that fun stuff. But today I more just wanted to give you like my overarching themes on this class, what I think about it, what I thought about their approach, all that. So yeah, that that pretty much wraps it up on that first part. We are going to be back in just a sec. 
but I'm going to take a quick second here to acknowledge our partner. Brecken what? Talking Breckenridge Brewery. Brecken what? Talking Breckenridge Brewery. Brecken what? Talking Breckenridge Brewery. I'm talking about them because they pay money to me. That that was hands down the best read of all time. If you, if you don't get the office reference, we can't be friends. But on a more serious note, it's time to take a second to talk about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR Rams. For months, I've been telling you there's nobody better in town. There's nobody that offers a better variety. There's nobody that is going to make your football party a success. Well, guess what? Football season is over. Basketball is here, but beer drinking season, it's just getting started. You don't want to keep, you don't want to be boring. You don't want to be that guy that just shows up with Coors Light. Show up with some Colorado Coors, some Strawberry Sky, maybe the Mile High City Edition collab with the Nuggets. Whatever it is, you can't go wrong as long as you're drinking Breckenridge brews. Buy them wherever you find beer, the grocery store, the liquor store. You know the deal. Alrighty, moving on with the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Bojo's Pizza. Bojo's Pizza, Colorado's own mountain pie. Right now, you can get a free cheesy bread with the purchase of any entree. Just tell them DNVR sent you. Got some time here to talk about uh, pop culture. I'm going to end things with some Bachelor talk. Got to give everybody the fair warning. You know, we went heavy on recruiting for the first, you know, 85% of this podcast. Just going to wrap things up here with some thoughts on The Bachelor. Before that, though, I did want to briefly talk about uh, this next week and and what it kind of means for the Rams basketball team. CSU men's hoops coming off their third straight win, beat Fresno State on the road last night. Pretty, uh, Pretty quality win, I would say, overall. There were some stretches where the Bulldogs kind of made things interesting there, but for the most part, the Rams really controlled this game from start to finish. Now they have six days off. They have till next Tuesday when Sam Merrill and the Aggies come to town. Now, last night, I was just talking about how I'm going to be really disappointed if there isn't a killer atmosphere, and I just really want to drive that point home because we're six days out from this game, and I'm already thinking about how excited I am. I'm already thinking about you know, how is Isaiah Stevens going to respond in his second matchup against this Aggies team? I think Utah State gave the Rams some troubles the last time. They're, they're really aggressive. They're, they've got great length. They're experienced. They play physical. And it was just kind of one of those times where, really for the first time all season, Isaiah Stevens kind of looked like a, like a first-year player, like a freshman. I think this second time around, we're going to see him come out, one, aggressive. I mean, that's just kind of how he is. He's a killer always comes out aggressive. But I think you're going to see him not be intimidated by the moment, especially just a lot's happened in the last three games. He's he's grown up a lot this season, but he's also grown up a lot these past three games. I mean, the, the, the game experience, it's just, it's so valuable. I know it sounds corny because we talk about it over and over and over, just how valuable this season is going to be, you know, for these guys in the long run. But it's the truth. I mean, not a lot of freshmen get this kind of run, but to get to play in, in quality games, play in the crunch time, to be the guy that they trust, to take the game-winning shot, that's just so invaluable. And it's going to matter when they start facing these teams again and, and down the line and, and in future years. But I'm definitely curious to see how Stevens responds. Also curious to see, you know, what does the Big Chile do? What does Nico Carvacho do? I think he takes this matchup with Niemis Keita a little bit personally. 
not even in the sense that like, you know, like I think you're a scrub. I'm way better than you. Nothing like that. I just think he embraces the opportunity to go against quality big men. Most nights, Nico's the best center on the floor and by a fairly wide margin, especially when it comes to rebounding and on the defensive side, you know, Kate is a legit pro prospect. This is a tough matchup. And I think Nico likes to get up for these kind of games. So I'm curious. I think, I think it'll be a, a really fun game between two talented teams. I think it's going to have really a, a Vegas feel to it, a Mountain West tournament game feel to it. And there's just no excuses. There should absolutely be 6,500, 7,000 people there at least. I'd love to see a sellout. I'd love to see the first sellout of the Medved era. I know that's maybe a little bit too much to ask at this point, just given it's going to be on a Tuesday night. And while the Rams are doing much better, they really haven't accomplished anything yet. So that you're, you're not going to win some of those more passive fans yet. But I don't know. I mean, if you're even like a casual sports fan, I don't know how you wouldn't want to show up and and see these these great teams just go at it. And I don't know how you wouldn't want to cheer for this young Rams team. I I really don't. I just think they're they're so easy to embrace. So if you don't have anything going on, be at Moby, be at this game, support the team, do your thing, get loud, make Roby Moby rockin'. Let's bring the the madness back. Let's get the whale rockin'. You know, if if you've been to Moby and you've experienced it, it it really is a phenomenal college basketball atmosphere. It just, it doesn't take that much to get it going. So I know that if they can get like 7,000 people in there, it's just going to be hell for opponents. So get it done, show up, do what you got to do, get a babysitter. I, I don't know, drop your kid off at your sister's house, do what you got to do, just show up, be there, support this team. Woo. All right, let's get into the most important segment. No, I'm just kidding. The least important segment, probably the most fun to talk about. The Bachelor, everybody's favorite show. We've got like five hours this week. Already had three-hour episode Monday night. There's another two-hour episode. I guess it's going on right now as I record this. Going to watch it at some point tonight. Also going to try and watch the uh, Utah State UNLV game. So got a lot going on. But man, everyone looked so bad on Monday. Just Kelly is really the only one that comes off as an adult in this group at this point. McKenna is just so full of drama. She drives me absolutely crazy. Kelsey, you just, you don't know what's going on with her. I think she's very sweet. I feel kind of bad for her. She's definitely a, she's like an emotional wreck a lot of the time. I thought it was kind of lame that, you know, Tammy was like snitching on her and being like, she has a drinking problem and all this. Like, I don't, that's a pretty serious accusation to throw out there for somebody that you just met, somebody you don't know all that well. I get that it's a, a competition. I get that it's cutthroat. I just, thought, I just thought that was a messed up thing to do. I think, you know, if you believe that about someone, you should confront them to their face at least first. You know, don't just go talking behind someone's back. Snitches get stitches. Uh, but more, it's just, you know, a matter of respect and and having the decency to to talk to somebody about something so serious before, you know, you put that out in the public. I just, man, I just feel like these people are are so trashy. I, I wouldn't want to, they're, they're gorgeous. And I get that nobody's perfect. I mean, I'm certainly not a saint. I, I don't have a lot of room to judge, but just the way that they treat each other. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure this environment brings the, the worst out of people. And, you know, like I said, at the beginning of the season, I'm 
I'm fairly new to this whole process. I've never watched The Bachelor regularly. I watched the last couple of episodes uh, last season, but I wanted to get in on the fun this year. I'm fully hooked. I'm definitely hooked, but I don't love Peter, and I don't really like any of the contestants left. I, I thought Victoria F. was cool, and then now she's like in some scandal for some photo shoot thing she did. It's it's like a political ordeal, so I don't really want to, you know, get into that. Um, but I don't know. It just seems like, just seems like nobody is is telling the truth at this point. And I don't know who to trust. Even Sydney, you know, she told this whole story about how she got bullied in high school and everybody hated her. She had to eat her lunch uh, in the bathroom stall. And then somebody she went to high school with totally outed her and posted all these yearbook pictures of her like being Miss Popular, the prom queen and all this. I think Sydney's already responded and basically been like, I got those awards because I was beautiful. That doesn't mean people treated me well. I don't know if anybody's getting elected prom queen that gets bullied so much that they have to eat in, in the bathroom. That's just me. Like, I I just don't believe her. Maybe maybe I'm a cynic. I, I don't know. But my impression of a lot of these chicks is they're fake and they want to get famous and that's why they're on the show. And that's probably, you know, why people enjoy the show. If it was really a bunch of genuine people that just wanted to find love, it it probably wouldn't make for that great a television. But I'm definitely interested to see where this whole process goes, and I'm curious to see if Tammy ends up fighting anyone because she showed some fire in that last episode. So what's going to happen between all these people? I don't know. I'm totally hooked, though. If you have thoughts on The Bachelor, send them my way. Always fun to to chat about it. But I hope everybody had a a fun signing day and we will be back later this week hope everybody has a great night word peace out Machetes at a deli in New Delhi Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli Turn jam into jelly then drink it like juice The water's the truth so I sip on that too Skinny looking kid with no car keys Like the only thing I drive is RCRV's got the stash like Steve Harvey Oh I'm gnarly like non